Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the popular Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm Youngmi Mayer. I'm your host. Every week I discuss a sad topic and then I try to laugh about it in hopes that hair will grow out of my butthole. Um, I guess, so a few weeks ago, God damn it! I hate it when I say um because I know I'm going to have to edit it out I've, I've been like not editing these because i feel like the flow sounds um comforting and it's um what's that word endearing i think you know it sounds like i'm just telling you a story because we're friends i i consider all the listeners to be my friends because i don't have real friends but um thank you for listening so a few weeks ago i changed the format of the podcast in case this is the first episode that you're listening to i i used to have um guests but now I just tell sad stories on my own by myself in my son's bedroom under his bunk bed, if you need a visual. And a few weeks ago, I asked the listeners to suggest topics um, that they want to... God damn it, with the fucking um again. God, now I, now I dropped my phone. I'm, I'm trying to read these comments. Okay, so I asked the listeners to suggest comments that they wanted or topics for me to discuss. And... Actually, there were a bunch of really good topics, so I actually want to talk about those. But if you want to suggest a topic that you want to hear me discuss, you know, as an Asian fucking person, Korean person, you know, I, I, Asian is too broad, I think, Korean uh, biracial single mom person, then you can go to my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Butthole. And I will go through those first. Or you can just comment on the Instagram. And right now, actually, we're not, I'm not really getting any suggestions on Patreon. So if you cannot donate or don't want to, you can just leave a comment on the Harry Butthole podcast Instagram. You will have to put that entire name in because it's shadow banned because that has the word butthole in it. Or maybe because it has the word podcast in it and Instagram hates podcasts. Who knows? Anyway, so I got two really, really good suggestions on the on the Instagram post. And... Um, I'm going to talk about them. The first one, somebody said that it was, it's very niche, but I'm going to talk about it in a little bit of a broader way. They asked, uh, what was it like being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult Asian woman? <laughs> very, very specific. And um, I think this person actually was also diagnosed as an adult with ADHD as a adult Asian woman. So maybe it's not that. So you and me, you and me you and me girl um and then she said the path that led to seeking that diagnosis and specifically reflections on your childhood as an adhd kid masking to fit the expectations of a tiger parent i have i actually have a bunch of thoughts on that and it does sound niche but i feel like for anybody i think that this will you know this is probably gonna be relatable to anybody that was diagnosed as an adult even if you're not Asian and even if you're not a woman and um even if you don't have a tiger parent because I don't really think I had a tiger parent and you know we all know that not all Asian parents are tiger parents I didn't really have tiger parents either of them you know one is white but my mom's not a tiger parent but I think that this conversation will be easy to relate to anybody 
you know, with ADHD. So I'm going to talk about that. And then after that, somebody else commented and they said they wanted to hear about female friendships or friendship breakups. And boy, do I have a story for you. So I'm going to talk about that too, which is something I, I'm, I fucking love talking about friendships because I feel like nobody talks about them. Everyone talks about romantic relationships, which, you know, they're, they're a lot more emotional and interesting and juicy, but friendship friendships, those are, in my experience, last way longer. And a lot of them for me seem like they're going to last forever for the rest of my life. Um, Unlike romantic relationships, which are at, at uh, my rate, eight months, eight months is uh, my my record. I'm just kidding. Um, or not the record, like that's, that's my average. I'm averaging, I'm batting at eight months, people, eight months until somebody cannot stand the sound of my voice. Um, so, but I did in my adult life go through multiple friendship breakups that started happening, I would say, you know, when I was a little older, because I feel like when I was in my 20s, I was just like, I don't care. I don't care if you sleep with my boyfriend. I'm still your best friend. But now, you know, that I respect myself a little more and am better at drawing boundaries, I, I've had multiple friend friendship breakups and they're devastating. And like I said, it, it seems like no one ever talks about it because, you know, every I feel like every pop song on the radio is about your lover whatever cheating on you or cheating on your lover if you're the weekend but then no one's singing a song about how you know after after Miami your friend group never talked to each other ever again and nobody even knows why except yes I know why because I threw up in the hotel room and didn't refuse to pay the cleaning fee but you know like nobody talks about no one's no one's singing like Taylor, Taylor Swift doesn't have a song about that, does she? She probably does. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to talk about those two topics. But let me start with the ADHD one. And again, you know, even if you're not, you know, an Asian person or a biracial person or a woman, this will probably be relatable because I think especially if you have ADHD and you're diagnosed as an adult, it just you go back and look at your memories and you're like, oh, my God, this has shaped who I am as a person, um, which I it took me like so long after I was diagnosed to like just go look through my entire life. And I was like, I think that this overwhelming, oppressive idea that I'm always a failure and I'm always fucking up. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's that's because I had undiagnosed ADHD as a child. And that is like 98% of my personality. So so it has affected me. Yeah, it has affected me, um, to say the least. But let's see. You know, before I want to talk about how ADHD has affected me, you know, specifically, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. I was diagnosed very, fairly recently. I would say probably like two or two or three years ago. And what, what sought, what, what did I, why did I seek out treatment? I think all my life, my biggest, I would say psychological issue was that I had very, very severe, very intensely severe depression. And it took me years of therapy to sort of climb out of that. And it took me years after, you know, 
recovering, I don't know if that's the correct word for that, to realize that I had made very, very big steps and I was, I wouldn't even consider myself depressed anymore. And it's really fascinating because it, you know, it took me years of coming out of that oppressive depression to even realize that that had happened because it happened so gradually. But because the depression was such a big part of my adult life, I didn't really have time to think about what maybe my other issues were and how things just seem very different for me. And my brain seemed to work in a very different way. I just didn't really have time to really focus on that. And I think the the biggest issue, um, and I already mentioned this, is that if you do have undiagnosed ADHD, you internalize that as you are a fuck up and you're just stupid and all the other kids are smart. And for some fucking reason, you can't fucking sit down and do this assignment when everyone else is doing it. And there's something wrong with you. So that was that was just like baked into me as a kid because it was just like everything that was just so easy for other kids. I would be like, I, I, I can't do this, you know, and I I don't know if this is th- this is my disclaimer. I'm not a professional, so I, I'm, I'm probably going to say a lot of wrong things about this, but I don't know if this is an accurate assessment. But I, I do feel like a lot of people with ADHD do seem like they, they do seem to be quicker at picking up information, which kind of is a detriment because all my school career, it was just like, okay, I get it. I totally get what the teacher is saying. So I'm not, I'm not going to listen. And then, so I'm like zoned out for, you know, 20 minutes. And then I'm like, what are we talking about? I have no idea. You know, I'm, I missed the lesson and now I'm not learning. And, and, you know, part of that is because it was like, I was like able to quick, quickly pick up information and then I'd be like well I'm gonna check out now and like doodle and uh, fidget with my desk and and so then there would be like these like pockets of time where I would be like caught up and then excelling in school and then large pockets of time where I was just like I don't fucking know what anyone's doing like for months I'd be like what what is x and what is y like I missed like 18 days I was just like zoned out and I don't know what anyone's doing and then I would like sort of quickly catch up again and then get lost again and that was kind of what it looked like um as a kid and I did not know until I was an adult that that's because I had ADHD you know I just thought I was like a bad kid and I thought I was dumb and I thought I had behavior issues because I couldn't sit still and things like that um and wait so then I so then when I did seek out like a diagnosis in a meeting with a psychiatrist, the internal voice in my head kept saying like, oh, you don't fucking have ADHD. You're just fucking lazy and stupid. And like, oh, you're making yourself, you're like making an excuse so you can like get medication. And and you're like, it, that was the voice in my head. Like, I'm wrong. I'm stupid. This isn't real. I'm tricking these people. Um, but then, you know, I did one of those forms that you have to fill out before you meet the <laughs> psychiatrist. And I was just like, every single question. I was like, yes, 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 yes. Like one of them was like, do your friends hate it that you keep interrupting their stories and you don't listen to the, and I was like, I literally just fought with my friend about this. Yes. Um, and so after I took the survey and I was 
honestly answering all the questions, yes. Even then I was like, haha, I, I tricked them. Now they're going to give me meth, you know, um, which is, is so funny because it's funny and it's sad, hairy butthole, you know, because that deep belief that I have that I suck, you know, it, it did just come from that so much. Um, that's such a, I think that's the biggest takeaway and issue that I had about the fact that I was diagnosed so late. And there was no period of my childhood not that my parents ever thought to ever like get me tested or, you know, try to figure out why for certain periods I would get straight A's and then get all D's, you know, and like it would flop, flip flop. And they, they never asked themselves why this was happening. They're just like, you're being lazy. You know, you're smart and you're being lazy because you're watching too much TV now. And they never really looked into it. And I mean, it's obviously I don't blame them because it never occurred to them. I don't even think that they knew what ADHD was. I'm sure they have heard of it, you know, like sort of peripherally now. But there's no way my parents knew what ADHD was in the 90s, you know, Um, which leads me to one other very interesting thing. I am pretty sure I'm pretty certain. Again, I'm not a professional, so I can't even say I'm pretty sure that my mom is possibly has ADHD because she does exhibit a lot of the same symptoms that I do. And, you know, I'll go into her kitchen and, you know, one of one of the life hacks that I learned that's really changed my life as somebody that has ADHD is that you put all of your stuff on shelves that you can see, because if you put it in your cabinets, you'll forget about it forever and never use it. And so, you know, in my home as an adult now, all my shelving is like open shelving, like all my closet space all my clothes are out hanging so I can see exactly what I have all my cups and plates and things like that I have like on this like open shelf and so that's a life hack if you you know to have ADHD but my mom you know whenever I go visit her she'll just like she has traditional cabinets with the doors but she'll just pull everything out and everything will just be on the counter and it's not like hoarder style it's like she has like a a reasonable amount of stuff. It's not too much stuff, but everything is on the counter. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is you dealing with ADHD, you know? And if I open her cabinets, they look exactly like mine where everything, like you put something in there like eight months ago, like a box of like crackers and that's all that's in there. Um, And then I have this story that I love telling like, once I had this idea because I have all these like really brightly colored little kitchen appliances like I have like a blue like air fryer and like you know like a pink toaster or whatever and so I had this idea I was like oh I, I should get a really colorful toaster and so I got one on Amazon it was like bright blue and then when it got, <laughs> when it arrived I was like well I got to put it in the cabinet because I don't have counter space and I opened it and guess what was in the cabinet the same exact toaster because I had that idea five months ago and I fucking forgot 
So now I have two brightly colored toasters made by Kate Spade. And, you know, it's like that. It's like once it's in the cabinet, I'm not going to remember that it's in there. Um, so, okay, but the thing about my mom having ADHD, this is um, the reason why I'm kind of a little hesitant to say it because I know somebody that was misdiagnosed with ADHD because they had pretty severe symptoms of, I think it's CPTSD or PTSD. And those um, symptoms apparently are very similar to ADHD. And the reason why I'm so, you know, hesitant to say that my mom seems like she has ADHD is because I think a lot of Asian parents and of that generation, Asian people of that generation, have a lot of PTSD and it might just be that and that makes a lot of sense to me because you know if you have PTSD I think my friend that was misdiagnosed you know as having ADHD they jump around a lot in their thoughts and they were explaining it to me as there is this discomfort with sitting in something for a long time because if there's any moment of silence in their mind, that's when all these really horrible, you know, thoughts and memories would come flooding into their mind. So they would just constantly like keep busy with um, new activities and thoughts all the time and jump around. And that obviously looks a lot like ADHD. And it looks like they can't pay attention when in fact they're the quietness, you know, is scary, you know, when the thoughts can come creeping in. So I'm not sure if my mom does have ADHD or maybe symptoms of like PTSD, but I have noticed that she does act very similar to me in a lot of ways. And if you are, you know, like the person that left a comment, uh, an Asian person or, you know, have an Asian parent, that's something to consider, you know, and if you've been diagnosed with ADHD, your parents might also have it because I, I believe it's genetic. And, or, I don't know, symptoms of PTSD. But I think even looking at a lot of my friends, Asian parents, I'm like, all right, we are all just chaotic. <laughs> like, we, we, none of us can sit still, you know? Like, none of us. <laughs> if you, like, do you ever go to, like, a restaurant with your Asian family and all of you are just, like, standing up, walking around? Like, we're just like, can everyone just relax and sit down? No, we can't. Um... So, yeah, that's like something interesting to consider. And I think that's a very specific, you know, kind of specific to Asian people. But not again, not really, because if you have ADHD, then anyone like your parents probably have it, too, because it's genetic. Um, the tiger mom thing. I just want to touch on that because I know that wasn't the comment. Again, my mom wasn't a tiger mom. She was kind of just like she was kind of mean, but like she didn't really force me to do um things like I think that my my what I what I uh my concept of the tiger mom is like the the mom that's like forcing you to do like SAT prep and violin and things like that my mom didn't give a shit about that she was just like she kind of made me do everything by myself and then I didn't and then she was like why are you lazy in that so I don't have any experience with the tiger mom but I'm assuming that if you did have a tiger mom and you were never diagnosed with ADHD as a child, that fucking probably sucked. I can't even imagine 
having to like because my whole experience is my parents just being like why are you fucking stupid why can't you just do this and they were just like just sit down and do this and I'd be like I physically can't and it was always turned to like a shortcoming that I had and I can't even imagine what that was like with a tiger mom um you know one of the things that I have come to realize as an adult with ADHD is that I have a very different way of scheduling my time than other people. I can't do a nine to five shit. Like I can't have dinner at the same time every day. I can't wake up every day at the same time. Like every day is just like I wake up in a chaotic panic and then I'm like, I don't even know where I am. And maybe I'll have breakfast. Maybe I'll brush my teeth. Maybe I'll go like work out which I've done maybe once every five years like I don't know what's gonna what my first step is every morning you know and I I just really can't imagine the level of (sighs) trauma that somebody would have when if having a parent that was very rigid and like scheduled and regimented and having to live in that sort of oppressive way of life as somebody that's neurodivergent because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good to you to do that you know I know a lot of people like to have a schedule and a set schedule and it gives them comfort but for me it feels like the absolute worst dreadful like I feel overwhelming dread when I have to adhere to a schedule like that and I you know it really affected me as a kid even with parents that are kind of like loosey-goosey to have to like wake up in the morning and and get ready for school like that was so stressful for me so i can't imagine what that would be like if my parents were any more rigid um so i feel for anybody that is an asian person you know with adult diagnosed adhd that grew up with a tiger parent that sounds like the worst it's probably something that you'll have to talk to with a therapist, you know, I like to always, you know, champion therapy. Um, and then what else did I want to talk about about that? I think that's about it. I think that's like very like, you know, specific to my life. Maybe your parents have ADHD. Oh, 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 this is the last thing I'll talk about. And then I'll move on to the friendship thing. The medication for ADHD. Um, obviously, I've told this story, you know, on my other podcast, but one of the first signs I think that I knew that I had it was when I was doing a lot of cocaine in my early 20s. I would do it and then immediately fall asleep. And my friends were just like, that's so fucking weird. And apparently that's a a huge sign that you have ADHD. So if that's ever happened to you, it's not supposed to make you go to sleep, you know? (laughs) It's supposed to like make you want to go disco. So it's it's a sign possibly but don't take my word for it you can do the survey like I did um but I want to talk about the medication because you know I went to Korea in the summer and amphetamines are illegal there and ADHD medication is amphetamine so I couldn't take my medication and to be honest with you I'm not crazy about the medication I don't really think it helps me that much I don't really take it all the time like every once in a while I I will feel like oh, I'll take it and it'll help me sit and work. And then it does, but not in the way that I wanted to, if that makes sense. Um, 
and I've heard a lot of people with ADHD talking about this. It's just the the problems that I have are I I want my brain to work like other people where I'm like 8:30 is when I wake up. 8:45 breakfast. You know, like 9:15 I'm going to like walk the dog. Like that's what I want, but it doesn't help you do that. It just helps you sort of be able to do something when you start I don't know you probably if you you know if you're thinking of taking it it's I can't really explain it you have to it's trial and error but it's interesting because the medication is illegal in Korea and so I I do wonder how they view ADHD someone told me it's actually not illegal if you do get it you know like prescribed for you in Korea you can but it's very rare to get that diagnosis because they're so anti-drugs there and I and I do believe amphetamines are a particular problem there but I don't know I haven't really heard a lot of people that I know that live in Korea that have or take the medication or even have been diagnosed with ADHD but so that's like a question and I and I wonder what their view on it is as a society if they if they are very against the medication like what they suggest so that's fast maybe i'll look that i'll look into that maybe maybe i'll look into it and maybe if i find something interesting i will share it on the podcast in a future episode so oh if you have any information on that please leave a like a comment on the instagram post for this episode and i'll like read through it if i ever get around to doing a research episode which Everyone knows I'm not going to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to go I'm going to go read some research papers about ADHD in Asia and then get back to you. Never. Um no, but really I'm interested to hear if anyone knows that. Okay, so the next topic is female friendships and friendship breakups. Like I said, I feel like these are these mean so much to me. You know what I was thinking about the other day? I finally it took me so long to finish crying in H Mart. But I did, uh, you know, obviously because it's so sad. I had to like take breaks. Um, I ended up just getting the audio book because I was like, let me just listen to this while I walk around. And that'll stop me from crying. But it it didn't. I was crying on the streets. But there's a part in Crying in H Mart, you know, if you've read it, that Michelle discusses, you know, obviously the book is about the death of her mother. And there's a part where she discusses like all her, I'm getting emotional already. She discusses like all her old Korean friends like come and help her. And like she just kind of like talks about her relationship with all these like old Korean women. And um, like I feel like I know that that's going to happen to me, you know, and all my close female friends that I have. I mean, not, not just female friends, but close friends that I have. Obviously, everyone knows that I hang out with Oak a lot, um, but He's not female, obviously. And I I know that they're going to be there for me during that time, right? I just fucking know that they're going to be there for me. That's so sad. Um, And I'm going to be there for them when that happens. I, I fucking know if any of my fucking friends have cancer, I'm going to fly out and stay with them for months, right? I don't I don't know if I feel the same way about these fucking men's menses that I'm sleeping with. Do you know what I mean? Because statistically, not to bring up statistics, but right now it's really popular online. Everyone's discussing how so many men divorce their wives when they get cancer. Um, I don't know the, the, 
the exact number, but basically the statistics say if a man gets cancer and he has like a long-term spouse, a female spouse, woman spouse, she will stay, like the majority will stay and take care of him. But like, I think it's the majority of men end up divorcing their wives immediately. Like, (laughs) or I think that, I think this, the number, it was like six times as many men will divorce their wives immediately because they're like, no. And that is so fucking sad, but nobody's surprised. Are you surprised hearing that statistic? Hell no. We already knew, you know, we all already knew. Um, that being said, I don't think anyone that I've been in a serious relationship with, but maybe some of them, I th- most most men that I've been in a serious relationship with probably would have stayed, I think, I would like to think, but, you know, I got my backup plan. I got my female friends and Oak and every, like all my other friends who don't identify as women, they're going to be there. So, you know what? It's fine. You can leave because I'm no longer able to do your dishes or whatever. Um, But uh, yeah, it's like this, it's, I think everyone knows that your friends are going to be there when you're sick, right? Um, Wait, but let me just say something about this real quick. I think because here's the danger, you know, I, I see a lot of women that do choose to live a more traditional life, whether actually maybe they don't choose, they just kind of fall into it, right? you know, women, I'm talking about like feminists, like women in our community that just so happen statistically to be one of the women that do most of the chores. Because again, with the statistics, even though men and women work the same amount now, more women do house house chores. I think it's like, I think that number is like terrifyingly high. It's like 80% do the majority of the, you know, parenting and the domestic labor while working the same amount as their husbands but um you know if you do live the danger of like falling into like a more traditional marriage even if it seems like a progressive version of that is that now you're in danger of being with a man that has a more traditional idea of what you are to him which is probably a caretaker and even if they seem very progressive and open-minded they will probably fall into the percentage of men who leave you immediately when you get sick, right? And what I what I mean by that is because I have like sort of taken off from that traditional kind of life, that kind of man is no longer attracted to me. Like I'm I can't like I feel like I went on a few dates like late last year, maybe early this year where I was just like dating I remember I went on like a date and it was like some, some dude. And I was just like, I am not the gal to your dude. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't act dumb and you're going to pay for dinner. Like, that's just not, we're not, this is not working out. Like after immediately I was like, goodbye. I'm never going to see you again. Not in a mean way, but it's just like that kind of man with that kind of ideology is just doesn't mesh with me. So I think, if I, if I like moving on, whatever, you know, partner I have, if it so happens to be like a cis straight male partner, I'm pretty sure that that person's not going to fucking leave me when I get cancer, if I get cancer. Famous last words, hopefully, but I don't know. Maybe that's what everyone thinks, right? 
maybe that's what everyone thinks. Who knows? But does it matter? No, because I'm going to have my fucking friends with me. Um, I feel like there's just way more important. And there, It's just like, um, I know a lot of people say this too. I think if you are in a s- cis hetero rela- relationship as a woman with a cis man, I mean, you got you to have like your your friend group because, you know, even if, even if, I, I, I know, I, not to sound so man hatey. I don't know what's going on with this man hatey episode, but you know, you need like, even if, you know, your partner is not a man, if you have one partner, a monogamous partner, you do need like a big group of people to sort of like bounce off of, right? It's like probably unhealthy just to have one partner. That's everything to you. Um, so yeah, I don't What else do I want to say about that? Friendship breakups. I'm going to leave this episode because I feel like I'm getting rambly now. I, on a story, a friendship breakup story, among two female friends one one who was me and one was my friend who will not be named and she ghosted me and I am okay with it but it was it was like this is how I'm going to describe the feeling the feeling you know like when you're dating someone and they fucking ghost you or break up with you it's like devastation sad your heart's broken and it's probably a few months of like feeling like your heart's been ripped apart but for this friendship ghosting breakup she ghosted me no explanation I tried to reach out to her would not contact I was like dude like you can just send me an email I'm not gonna reply I'm not gonna you know go after you or whatever nothing right that the pain of that wasn't like right away like a romantic relationship like oh my heart's broken but it's been years now and it's just it's just there the pain is just there and it's like there forever you know whereas in whatever I'll think of somebody that like broke up with me or ghosted me two years ago and I'm like I don't even remember that person's name who cares but this friend thing I'm just like constantly just like what the fuck happened you know this hurts I thought we were going to be friends forever. Oh my God, I'm almost starting to cry. You know, like this is like a close friend and I get it like that she's upset, but like, I'm just like, what I can like, I feel like I'm a pretty reasonable person when it comes to friendships, you know, whatever it is, like, can't we talk through it? It's gotten me fucked up. It's got me way more fucked up than uh, any romantic relationship. So that's sad. But um, I guess I'll leave you with one more example of the breakup thing. A lot of time now as adults, I have these very long friendships that I've had with, you know, mostly women for a long time. And we will go through patches of like a year or something where we fight. But then we'll like come together. And and it's almost like it's almost like I know we're going to make up, but it's okay that we need a little break from each other. And I think there's a comfort in that because in my head, I know that this is a fucking marathon. Like this is something that I'm going to, we're going to be together until, you know, one of us gets cancer and we're making each other soup, you know? So it feels this sort of these little arguments and disagreements that we have for a few years, they seem okay. Um, And I guess that's, I hate fucking saying I'm giving you advice, but that's my advice. If you're having like this disagreement with your friend and it's to somebody that you care about and it's like 
a year of not talking, you know, maybe that's okay and give it time and they'll like come back and, you know, or just reach out to them and see. And I think a lot of times you'll be surprised to find that they have forgiven you <laughs> and your friendship will pop back, hopefully. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that was like kind of what uh, the people who asked me to discuss those topics were thinking of me discussing. But those are my broad ideas about friendships and ADHD it's so funny because one of my very close friends, we had a huge fight and we didn't talk for a year because specifically she was like, you keep interrupting me when I talk. And I was like, I'm trying. <laughs> um, but then, you know, obviously I felt so bad because I'm so self-conscious about that. It's been a huge issue that I've had all my life. And, you know, and all I could do was say, I'm going to work on it. And I'm sorry. Um, and now we're friends again. But that was it. That was my my discussion for the day around adult diagnosed ADHD and friendships. Thank you very much for listening. Again, if you want to leave a suggestion for a topic you would like to hear me talk about, you can leave it on the Patreon at Harry Butthole, patreon.com slash Harry Butthole, or leave a comment on Instagram, Harry Butthole Podcast, and I will get to them. Um, you can follow me on social media at YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. And I'll see you next week. Bye.